Hello. This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And we greet you from the frozen depths of Buckinghamshire. And uh, Yeah, the there, there is still ice on the outdoor fish tank. Ah, oh, there, there's ice right up my sinuses at the moment. So if you hear snuffling and sniffling and, oh, the occasional, oh, God, help me in this podcast, you will understand from whence we are coming. Oh, Roger, help me. What are we talking about this week? Uh, Fine. Criminality. It's a thing that happens in games, but what sort of things do players accept and what, what do they say? Hang on a minute. I don't want to do that at all. This isn't fun. Yeah. And and also uh, the the more experimental narrativist uh, end of the role playing spectrum. Why Roger has a problem with it? I, I, I try to make it work. It do not do not work. It's obviously broken. The problem here, spoiler alert, is Roger's brain. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, uh, thank you to Tim Sohol to drop some money in our tip jar. Thank you, sir. And this is really does help to encourage us to keep doing this uh, if, oh, if you we... would uh, like, to, like to join him, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw and leave a note for what it's for but first our friends at the bundle of holding who advise us of their many beneficent offers um, and even let us have a look at them in advance, have been on something of a kick recently. You want dungeons? Uh, oh boy, we got dungeons! No, 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 you want, don't want dragons with them? We've got dungeons without dragons! <laughs> and all of which is, um, is in response to um, certain momentous developments in the world, in the industry and world of role-playing. Uh, if, if you I, want details of this, listen to approximately any other role-playing podcast. We, we are a monthly podcast. We don't do breaking news. No, uh, we could do in-depth analysis, but we're a bit confused. Um, I think it's still a moving target at this point. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, we, we've got... The OGL is changing in some way, and it may or may not destroy the entire OGL industry, but large parts are moving to a new licence, which is still not really as free as one might like. Just use Creative Commons, guys. Not that I'm biased or anything. Well, I, th- I think it has to be said that each industry probably has unique um, characteristics that, that might call for special legal um, protections and precautions. There, there is the complication in terms of games specifically, now, you cannot trademark or copyright game mechanics, but you can do it to the expression of game mechanics, i.e. the words. And there is the, the entire um, concept of a game world, um, which is has been developed by somebody, and, and there's the complications of, of people wanting to move it into uh, different, uh, different expressions, different, different types of gaming. You probably can't and, trademark Elf, but maybe you can trademark Orc, or at least the Tolkien people want to think you can. Uh, Hobbit. Hobbit is probably trademarkable, mm-hmm. but uh, why would you? And famously the... Nazi, of course. <laughs> I know the... it wasn't, but yeah, it's a good story. And, uh, the whole thing seems... It, it could be very good for people like us who don't play D&D and don't encourage it, because 
it's a great opportunity to say, look, there are all these other systems which do this sort of thing as well, and you might like it better than Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and some, some there are an awful lot of systems under genuinely free licenses. I, I'm sorry to say that GURPS isn't, but there are lots that are. If you, if you want a thing, you can that you can just go and publish for. Yeah, the the history of uh, of people from other industries and other media. Um, Trying to uh, trying to adapt and to move into um, role playing areas hasn't been a good one. Chaosium and Steve Jackson Games got a little burnt, and uh, they may be a little sensitive. But there ought to be a general solution, legally speaking, for how you protect and uh, and license this sort of thing. And it hasn't been ha- it hasn't really happened yet. Mm. But may- maybe it will happen in response to this. That said. Um, a bundle of holding, and we are actually actually pumping a little at this moment in time. Are uh, have been throwing out offers, collections of stuff they've uh, sent out before, which aren't D and D, both systems and uh, at the moment a collection of uh, of high fantasy, low fantasy, um, dungeon fantasy uh, adventures, which. Um, this is one of the things that, that, that causes me to think that Hasbro hasn't thought things through. There is an enormous backlog of all sorts of adventures. There's more than I could read, more than anybody could use in one lifetime. And, uh, and they can't, by their efforts, um, get rid of that easily, get it out of the consciousness of the hobby. And that's the other thing I think they've got wrong. It is a hobby. It's a do-it-yourself thing, and it. Yeah, I, I think I think there are two angles to this. One is the same problem that makers of films and books and so on have, which is there's there's a century plus of back catalogue which yeah. still works. Uh, th- this is where video games, which which Hasbro's pro- uh, other interests are in, um, don't really quite work as a model. Uh, but you know. You, you put out a film now, and I can say, well, why don't I watch the original version of the film that was made 40 years ago? And the, the answer, of course, is, oh, that was in black and white. Nobody can watch black and white anymore. But anyway, um, the other thing is that I, I think, particularly in the OGL side of things, there's always been a very gentle uh, escalation from I'm just a guy who, who runs stuff to I will write the occasional adventure to I will put out my adventure badly DTP'd on drive through RPG to I'm an actual profit-making role-playing company. It, well, insofar as any role-playing company spectrum, is profit-making. Yeah. But because there is that, there is a perception that there is that easy thing. Any, anybody who puts in the time can be a yeah. published role-playing author. Um, I think even for the people who aren't, even if somebody is just running stuff that other people have published, they, they think of themselves as a potential creator, so their natural sympathies are with the people who want to create stuff, rather than the people who want to say, no, you know, you've got to pay us. uh, From Gary Gygax's first efforts to say, no, no, you must play it the real Dungeons & Dragons way, or it's not the real Dungeons & Dragons. This has been a losing battle. I mean, just just look look at the literary sources in the Dungeon Master's Guide. N- none of yeah. which got paid. Um, I, I, I think I think they were doing it for the advertising, for the exposure. You know, I, I, I the latest gig, um, the latest attempt is trying to use technology to 
create a captive audience. But I don't, I don't think that's possible. I mean, D and D Beyond. If I've got this right, D and D Beyond is a paid-for subscription means of uh, generating characters, managing your uh, your campaign, that sort of thing. It's basically an online rulebook library and campaign management system. Which has its value, but isn't as as valuable as I think Hasbro thinks it is. And I don't think you can make it into an exclusive, the only way of accessing the the system. I just, it's just not, it's just not feasible. And the on the one hand, what about people who are playing offline? But on the other hand, I suspect, like like most commercial organisations, they're happy to say, well, you know, screw the 20% if, if the other 80% could yeah, be more profitable. But I don't think they've got the proportions the right way around in this particular case. Um, yeah. I, I do know somebody, um, I, I don't have permission to quote them, but this is somebody who works in the industry who knows people who are getting into role-playing because of VTTs. You know, they're, they're buying huge, expensive, multi-monitor computer setups for VTT role-play. And I think those are the people that Hasbro is gambling on pulling into yeah, new-style D&D. Uh, uh, which is D- uh, what D&D 1 and, and isn't really here yet. But, uh, but, it, but even VTTs are a hobby activity. Uh, a GM has to be able to... Um, Customize whatever, even pre-generated stuff has to be customized to be usable by a particular group, and according to a particular GM's case. And I, I don't think that's uh, that 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 lends itself to exclusivity. One person will like Roll Twenty. One person will like the Foundry. There, there, there's just too much idiosyncratic taste and. Just having the big guns of of money and lawyers isn't going to make yourself a, a monopoly, I don't think. I hope you're right. My, my concern is something that I've found occasionally reading the Steve Jackson Games forums. It is not unusual that somebody comes along saying, you know, my, my, my GM has, has decided they want to try GURPS and I'm building a character and can I do this and this and this? And the answer is, that's up to your yeah. GM to decide. But they do... but. The the D and D ethos seems to be, and I don't know how far this goes out in, into OGL space in general. That if it is in a published book, then your GM should at least have a really good reason for saying no. Yeah. Um, um, whereas, whereas you know, with, with GURPS that we both like, we're not even going to use the whole basic set in the same game. Yeah. It would be impossible. Um, you need a good reason to say yes. That fits into my ca- my, my campaign, and I think most GMs who aren't. Part of the big, of the big world of of D and D think that way, but I think that goes back to the very early days of the hobby when you would go around looking for a group to fit your character into, rather than a character to fit mm. into that group. Um, I'm sorry to to me the canonical first role playing experiences. There are these shouty guys in the corner, and one of them looked over at me and said, <laughs> "We need a cleric." I wonder whatever they saw in your face that said you'd make a good one. <laughs> Passing interest, I think. Well, we would actually, I would actually say to anybody out there, I don't believe we've got many listeners who are, are one true D&D followers, but we would say to anybody who happens to be listening that, that if you look at some of the lists of people, uh, of people recommending other game systems, 
on YouTube. Oh, and there's another reason why this isn't going to work, because YouTube and people that 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 the the criteria for becoming a publisher and something that people will 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 get the chance to look at has become extremely low with the advent of uh, of things like like YouTube. Uh, but go and hmm. ha- go and have a look at either the stuff that the bundle of holding has been putting out and we predict will be putting out in the near future. Or go and have a look at the lists on YouTube and see that there is a lot of other stuff out there. Everybody seems to have Blades in the Dark on their list at the moment, which is probably an indication of fashion. There is one specific uh, item that that I would like to mention from one of the holding... uh, This is the Alternatives to D&D bundle, which ends on the 8th of February. And I, I, I was skimming through, you know, those uh, Dungeon Crawl classics and Hackmaster and Chivalry and Sorcery. Yes, it's still there. Yeah, Chivalry and Sorcery. Uh, th- this is not like those other things. I mean, yes, you can dungeon bash in it, but I don't think that's really it's what, what it's, it's for. Good at. I'm not sure what it is good at. Mostly knights standing around and being serious, or attempting to create incredibly detailed magicians who then cannot light a candle with their magic. I've done that. <laughs> But it, but uh, in any case, if if you uh, th- this is the same, I think it's fifth edition, the same, same version that was out a, a, a year or two back, and it is the same really weird font that looks as if ants yeah. are crawling all yeah. over the page, or maybe that's just me. But you know, if you do, if you don't have chivalry or sorcery and you would like to correct that, here here is a okay. good option. Um, having done a bit of uh, of topical, well, sort of topical and public service stuff, let's get on to our other obsession. Narrative games. Why are they? Uh, no, why, why are they? Pop- no, hang on a minute. Why don't they work for me? That's what it really comes down to. I mean, you you have run. Quite yeah. a, you 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 are more experimental in your choice of role playing systems th- than I am. You have run sessions that I enjoyed of primetime adventures yeah. and of fiasco, both of which I think it would be fair to say are lacking in simulationist mechanics. Uh, but they do have mechanics that are about essentially how much effect can you have on the on control yeah. on the direction of the plot. I I think. Um, well, they, I, I will agree that they are extreme cases of narrativism, though narrative, narrativism as a strand in role-playing is, um, is through most, most of, of it, but not... Um, let me start again. If the first role-playing moment in a game was when somebody said, um, I wouldn't do this, but I'm doing it because my character would, then the first storytelling narrativist moment was my character shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it for the sake of the story. And mm-hmm. the, with Primetime Adventures and Fiasco, which I'll come back to in a bit, you're at the extreme edge of the story being the most important thing. An emphasis on the story has been there in the rhetoric since Ask Magica. Um, the, 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 the story guide mm. is, the, is the name of their 
of their GM, and later on, it's later on the World of Darkness was all about the storyteller. Um, but there, it was more the choices you made in building your character. You put things into the character for the sake of story. Things like um, they come with a prepaid for enemy um, built in, and the player gets advantages in exchange for taking the disadvantages which make for interesting stories. Um, but mm. when you get to um, primetime adventures and fiasco, and I think my memory as to the history of this is um, is a bit vague, but I think they sort of burst onto the scene even in advance of things like um, the Powered by the Apocalypse games. They, yeah, they, they yeah. came about as a sudden lurch to an extreme. In both of them, you are having to think, not like an actor playing his part, improvising what the character would do, but like either a director or a... Um, or a scriptwriter deciding what would be best for the flow of the story, and and I think you have to do I that think, at the same yeah. time as you are doing the bit of being identified with your character, and it causes, um, I think, even in the best of us, a certain certain degree of um, split personality of trying to juggle two two different uh, sized balls at once. Yeah, I I, th I think if if you follow anybody who's involved with making uh, modern television, particularly in the US, then the, then the term writers' room is probably a good one. You know, it, it, there's a certain amount of no, nobody is necessarily in charge except as a as a final resolution if it's needed. But you're tossing you're tossing ideas back yeah. and forth. You're not necessarily saying I'm just thinking about my character. I'm saying, okay, well, what about if this guy and that guy yeah, have this both interaction? Of these, these uh, both primetime adventures and fiasco are have a, have a mechanism of setting up the next scene. Um, somebody gets the, the the responsibility, the opportunity to say where the next scene happens, who's involved, what it's about, and where it starts, and then the improvisation starts from there. Which is, hmm. which is very interesting. But the the great, the most fun part of primetime adventures, and I've only ever run single sessions of this, is that you sit, sit hmm. down and say, "What sh what series shall we write? What ideas do we have in the room? How can we bounce them off each other?" Uh, pi pitching pitching yeah. series, and then going on to to create at least the pilot episode of it. And that's a very different thing. Your strengths as a writer, as a as a as a as a conceiver of of setting, may be very different from your strengths as a role player. Um, the things you liked. Thing, thing I always say, I have much more fun setting up the big concepts of a campaign than writing the nitty gritty adventures. Well, and yeah, them. but it, yes, this is this is partly true here. But imagine you're setting it up. For, you're setting it up for your not for other people, but you're setting it up for yourself included, and that is that is hmm. very difficult. What, one of the things I, I think something that defines prime time adventures. It's also the, the mechanic I, I yeah. like most about it. It's a distinctive thing is that 
we've established that this is going to be a series. There are going to be several episodes. In in this given episode, character X is going to be the spotlight character. And therefore, all their abilities get better so that they can do more stuff. I think uh, I think well I haven't taken the the or your abilities get better but I have taken the lesson of saying each each character should have a chance sometime in the se- series sometimes in the campaign to shine to be what the story is about some people hate having the the focus on their character and only want to be uh, sitting mm. at the back doing doing things that they know are in their comfort zone uh, but most people, also, of course, um, that things happen to me several times. I, I will, I've, I've got this character that, and they, they can shine a bit. So I will put in things in this adventure that are specifically for the, that they will obviously be the right person to deal with, and then the character yeah. doesn't turn up. <laughs> this is true. I'm afraid. Um, and what are we going to do? Because David isn't here. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. Um, Always have a second string to your bow is is a is a council mm. of, of perfection. It must be said. What I would say about both these systems is that they have spilled back into other games and into other um, and into other systems. Uh, there's a whole lot of um, rhetoric about co-designing of uh, of the initial campaign setup. Especially in Powered by the Apocalypse games, where you uh, where where mm. you will have a session zero, and you will decide precisely what the immediate backstory of the of the start of the campaign is. There may be more history to be discovered later on in the in the run, but you start from uh, a semi-agreed um, set of uh, what has gone before. And the choices you make in a thing like, say, masks, uh, the characters you choose to include, they have their backstories about their their mentors of the previous generation of superheroes and, and things that mm. are out there like parallel universes and other such stuff. So, yeah, it spills back into... into Later produced games, which are more of a combination of narrative, but note note uh, of narrative and simulationism. But note that um, Powered by the Apocalypse, especially, is not doing terribly fine graded simulationist stuff. It's um, it's it, it it's not providing a system for every possible thing that you want to do. Just um, just the things that are more likely in the sort of story that they're trying to tell at that time. There's also a matter of resolution, I think, particularly if you if you grew up as we did with the sort of role playing games that essentially start yeah. came out of war games. You expect that every sword blow, every gunshot, will be individually yeah, and resolved. In, in, um, uh, and in a thing like uh, dungeon, dungeon World, you're lucky if you get the final result. Of the fight um, after an exchange, an exchange of blows. I think the point at which I find the tension between role playing and writing. I, I think of this as my my writing brain and my 
uh, my my performing acting brain being in competition for processing time and sometimes getting in each other's way. Hmm. The point at which uh, I could I can't. I, I, I find that the burden of having to justify things in uh, story terms rather than playing to find out what happens, which is one of the really useful mottos that came out of Apocalypse World, that point lies in fate, where you've got this great band of traits mm. which are defined in narrative st- story terms as um, fallen noble or uh, or ambitious inventor or the best swordsman in the three valleys um they compete with the somewhat wimpy skill system and the uh and the and the entirely uh campaign defined stunts and and what have you and and i don't get how it works all together and i cannot operate it all together there is just too much of having to think of things in story terms rather than from the selfish focused point of view of a character and and it fails fails for me the way you say uh, powered by the apocalypse and um, and fiasco fails to uh, fails for you it doesn't go in it doesn't fit with my my prejudice what what are the problems you're having with uh, with Power by the Apocalypse, with um, prime time adventures well, and things like that. Well, uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment. It's it's fiasco particularly, but I've for as far as I'm concerned, I, I think people argue about what this term means to them. Um, but the what I think of as the immersion I get from role playing is essentially I brackets Roger am mm-hmm. stepping back and I am being an intermediary to feed what the GM is saying, what the other players are saying, into the mental simulation of the character yeah. I'm playing. And they then think about what they would do, and what they would do comes out again. I suppose that might, to some extent, approximate method acting in a very minor way, but it, it, it's that sort of, I am, I'm much less Roger and much more this person yeah. while I'm doing this. Whereas the... The editor mindset. What bad thing would happen to you? What dramatically appropriate bad thing would happen to you as a result of this screw up? Needs me to be in my. I understand how stories yeah. work. And, and you understand this to be a story, not to be the experience of somebody. And that mm. that is a difficulty. It's. Um, I mean, it may just be a matter of uh, context switching fast enough. I do context switch yeah. for other things, um, but yeah. The thing is, I think you're you're being asked to do two uh, two things at once. If the if all of the editing, if all of the writing bit is done in one phase of the game in setup or uh, or character creation, then that's that that's it sort of insulates insulates you from being uh, having to do the uh, being a person who is different from yourself in some ways. Um, at the same time, hmm. I, I, I don't find playing NPCs to be, um, uh, to be, and being the the referee at the same time, who is thinking about story the whole time. I don't find hmm. that to be a strain, but I think there is a True. different quality to my NPCs 
who tend to be caricatures um, because and and stereotypes because that's that's what what's what, what's easy and you the players want you to give a a clear signal as to what sort of person they're dealing with at any particular moment and. I, I think perhaps if I get too deep into them, then then they're at risk of becoming the GM's favourite character because yeah, I know all this stuff about this person. I know what yeah, they want to achieve. Yeah, but on the other hand, so the GM's favourite character isn't necessarily a bad thing when you want to take the the the, the storytelling to a different level to um, uh, to to make mm. what was previously just somebody you met met at the receptionists at your psychiatrist into a major character. Um, you, but but I think there's a qualitative difference between that sort of of playing of a character and what you would want to bring even to the most um, stereotyped of your own particular dedicated character, your own particular um, your own particular persona in the game universe. At least I think so. Mm. And the, one of these that I have tried, and the, the, this was a, a recorded session with Watts and all, but it has not been released and never will be, uh, was, fia- <laughs> was uh, Fiasco. What playset were you using? Uh, the sm- small town in somewhere in the desert. Uh-huh. Petty criminality and so on. And... So fair, fair point. Yeah, no, none of us was particularly experienced with it. I don't, I don't think any of us had played before, except um, me playing your game, which was what gave me the idea to try it. But yeah. um, I think we all felt very directionless. There didn't really seem to be any pushes beyond. Well, I want this. I want this too. Well, um, how do how do we resolve who's going to get it when I try to take it away from you? Then uh, we don't really. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, the 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 type the the skill in Fiasco is setting up the type of scene, um, and and in a you are supposed to um, you are supposed to alternate setting up the scene and deciding how the scene turns out. Mm. You you describe the scene, you play the scene for a while. And then somebody uh, else is in charge of deciding how the how the scene um, resolves itself, in whose favour, um, how it how the issue of it turns out. Or you can say, uh, "Give me a scene, and I'll decide how it turns out." Yeah. So that that sorry, it was the making of that specific decision. That didn't really seem that, to have any guidance behind it. I mean, there, there is an obvious gamist approach, which is I, I want um, me to have lots of the right sort of dice and everybody else not to. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it was well, you know, we're, we're supposed to be telling a story here. How do how do we how do we make that decision in terms of the larger story? Well, we don't. I think I think the impulse there is supposed to be pure creativity. Is the fun of the next scene. Mm. Is uh, I I can see a thing that could cap- happen now. Let's see what happens when we try it. Um, there is no more directivity other than the uh, the immediate. I'm playing this character. This character's got to be in the next scene. Um, how do we get it set up so something happens? And 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 it's it, in a way it's play to find out what happens. 
the fact that it's mostly simulating the, the slightly pointless lives of people in Coen Brothers movies is a help here. I, I have now seen some Coen Brothers movies, which I hadn't then. That, that might help, but even so. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'm going into I, a Coen Brothers film. Do I know where the nearest pig farm is? <laughs> yeah, no, but you can make up a scene with a pig farmer. Oh, dear me. Uh, I, I, I think that these are games which are rather purist in their uh, their dedication to the story above all else. And I'm not sure if that helps them or hinders them. Well, but they I, have been I very influential. If, I wonder if yeah, we should separate um, plot-focused versus character-focused. I mean, we, we've, we've been talking in vague terms about uh, game versus narrative versus simulation. Uh, which was an interesting model, but then got redefined by the indie games Forge people, so nobody really quite knows how how it's meant to work anyway. Um, But I I think some of this is in service to the story versus in service to my character, because if if I'm playing my character to the full, that, that may not automatically make the most convincing story. True. Um... And yet, in this sort of game, your character's capabilities, their certainty of getting what they want, of doing what they want, isn't isn't as strong as it is in a, a game that uh, that uh, simulates what uh, Robin Laws would call procedural hmm. um, uh, things. I, I let me say that the, a game which is also purist in its way, and maybe the sort of the opposite of these narrativist games is Robin Law's drama system, which banged up against my sense of of something the fuck's got to happen here. <laughs> um really very strong. There there are I that it doesn't strike me as it, it strikes me as being a system that's rather up itself. Um and it, and it's about the conflict. What? I said Potentious Louis, um, uh, but uh, the it, it, it's it's about the interest in the conflict of face to face people, and there's only so much of that you can put into a story. Mm. Only so much of that you can you can make interesting, and um, and and I, I I've been in things where where people have been. Going on at each other about what they want and what's the right thing and what's the, what's the wrong thing and it's been wonderful when it's worked, but it's not the only thing and and there are constraints of the reality of the game world and of the needs of something to the fuck happen um, that 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 makes that uh, very much um, a game that I couldn't get and uh, really did not dig and. Um, and sort of had to sell my copies off. Yeah, I think one of the things that was that drama system is trying to do is to say, well, we we get we get this situation where um, you know we we I I want A, you want B, and neither of us has any reason to back down in character. So the argument yeah. just goes on and on and on and on, and this is boring. And one of the things drama system is trying to do is say, okay, well, we, we you know, as as would happen in real life, we need to finish that argument and move on to the next thing. The problem is the next thing tends to be another argument. 
I, I've heard a recording uh, of a drum system session. Uh, it's, it's on yorksothos.com, so it's available to members. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a bit directionless, but it sounds quite fun. But all of the players felt afterwards, no, I, I just really didn't like this. I, my, my character turned from somebody vaguely interesting into a horrible person based, based on what, what the game seemed to be asking me to do, and I, and I just never want to play this again. <laughs> I, 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 there is a, a mechanic for who comes out top and what happens, but, but basically you're using up a limited pool of, of social influence and power and trickery. And, and, then, you're, and then at the end, the person who... Uh, the, 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 there is, the, the, the system is entirely agnostic about um, who's in the right and who's in the wrong, but it's also agnostic about what the social pressures are and what would make sense there. And no, arguments don't come to an end. That's part of the problem. People feud forever in, 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 real, in real life. The, the scene with the argument in it comes to an end. Yeah, but the issue isn't resolved. The matter isn't resolved. There is no way to go forward. It's, it's like the Balkans in role-playing, you know. Mm. Everybody hates each other. Everybody hates the people over the hill even more. But uh, uh, but the argument isn't going to end, and it, there may be occasional outbursts of bloodletting. It, uh, that that's what I found wrong with that that system. And you need something to drive a story, whether it's written or performed, towards an end, uh, or find a way for the end to attract. Uh, the players towards it. I, I, d- I don't honestly know. A, a deadline works pretty well, but not all stories, not all narratives can convincingly have a deadline to. Or, or the Raymond Chandler approach. Guy comes through the door yeah. with a gun in his hand. Several guys, pre- preferably, yeah. <laughs> Just think, thinking of some systems that do do this whether, whether or not you would say, well, at least to to a level that that's works for me, and I'm so well, I, I'm not as purist about immersion as, as I might like to claim. Um, Genesis that uh, I, I've run for you. Uh huh. This is my my moment to go. Oh yeah. Well, Genesis. specifically the the whole thing of I I have rolled some successes or not, but separately from this, there is the advantage threat axis. And, you know, maybe I've succeeded, but, but there is some sort of minor drawback. Now, for me, I find it quite easy to come up with that because I've got this table of here is a typical one threat drawback. Here is a typical two threat drawback. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that might happen yeah. uh, in, in game mechanical terms. Or I can, if the situation uh, prompts me to, then, then I can come up with something of roughly equivalent badness or indeed goodness if it's advantage. Uh, and I think because it takes that pressure off me to invent something amazing, I, I do find that easier to work with. So. I will admit that that I will admit that the system has a tendency to produce some sort of result. Um, it's just that when I pick up the dice and look at them in my hand, and I'm about to roll them, I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what the chances of me succeeding are, what the chances of anything happening are i mean i'll admit that that you have a 30 percent chance of shooting that chap in the head is crude but it's definite and clear 
I have actually done a uh, probability analysis. The problem yeah, is it, 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 it's quite multi-axial, so it's hard to sum up on a chart or two. I, uh, the fact that I, I, excuse me, I'm swearing a lot today. Um, I could not understand the, uh, the, your, your analysis, and I couldn't. Uh, it, it's just, it's just too, um, it's just too non-concrete. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, you can state, as so many of these systems have, have to have you state, what the uh, what the aim of what you're doing is, but it sometimes seems to have very little connection with the outcome of what you're aiming to do. The really the other thing you can it. state that a lot of systems do is, you know, sort of skill level one is done basic training, skill level two is competent professional or whatever. An awful lot of those systems, it's not actually true when you when you come to roll the dice. Yeah, I think yeah, there was a certain amount of. Is that either either the game designers are depressed or and skeptical about the abilities of their fellow human beings, or they're really optimistic about about rolling dice. Probability is hard. Uh, another thing that does work that I've seen in a few places, I think I first met it, in fact, as an optional rule in one of the GURPS action books, but it, it's in a few other games as well, is you have a disadvantage, as it might be, you know, susceptible to beautiful members of the opposite sex. Um, oh, yes. But but if you can find a way to indulge that um, from from the player's own sort, source of uh, ideas... Then that can count as you know, your your disadvantage has has been activated. You get you get whatever bonus it is, or I think in the GURPS action variant, it's okay. Now we don't need to roll for the for for the rest of this scene okay, because, you because you've your, justified it. You bring your own trouble and the and the, and leave the GM's uh, problems. Uh, you can also find something like that in Blades in the Dark. Where you are evil people going out doing evil things, hmm. and uh, and after you've got yourself all knotted up with tension and uh, and 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 twitchiness doing the job, in the downtime you go off and try and indulge in your nefarious habits, which may be um, licentiousness or it might be researching forbidden gods, and that gives you a. a a chance to feel better, and the GM a chance to introduce, if you overdo it, new plot elements, kidnap your character uh, for the next session, and all sorts of other things. It's only a little it's bit just... of research into Forbidden Gods. How, how much harm can it do? This, the, 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 the Forbidden is such a is such a, a an absolute and 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 and, and intolerant word. Let it, let it, let us not question other people's deities, even if they are eating you with their their tentacles. Yes. The other thing that occurs to me in this is is that in some ways a disadvantage is a way of getting screen time, just as an advantage is. You know, wh- yeah. Wh- whether it is I I can spider climb up this building, or it's I'm scared of heights. You're saying we've got to, we're going to change what's happening to accommodate me. Yeah. And th- this I think is why. Um, Systems that do give you points back for taking disadvantages always have a limit, so you, so you can't take all the disadvantages. Well, it's also so you don't don't end up a super powerful telepath who's also paraplegic. Yeah, but the game would be all about that character is the thing because yeah, everything they do either there has to be a way of accommodating their their massive load of disadvantages, 
or they being high powered and and um, walking over it. So, yeah. Uh, and if if you've got somebody who's super high powered and isn't in a wheelchair, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, I think I think that 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 I if I can identify your problem with um, with um, fiasco, maybe I. And you never tried running power, but, uh, prime time uh, I, I set up a campaign of that as a play by forum, but uh, didn't quite get the player engagement. All right, I think I think you. So, so drive... that, that's just you know not not having the the right players or not putting it right. That that's a standard problem for Rogers campaigns. So I don't think so it needs special attention. I think it's a standard standard problem for most people's campaigns. I think that that in both of these cases. The driver to do the next thing is to have fun with the setting and the ideas, and uh, on the on the third hand, the characters. Mm. I don't. I don't think it's not got the drivers built into um, the structure in quite the same way that um, uh, that that uh, a, a more traditional role playing game is. Primetime Adventures, which I'm continuing to confuse with Powered by the Apocalypse, just because eh. they both begin with P and have acronyms. Um, Primetime Adventures has the director, and they can nudge things, the producer, I think it's actually called, and they can nudge things to, to an extent and insist on bringing in uh, uh, certain narrative elements right now. But, the, uh, uh, but Fiasco is purely... It's a purely creative thing, trying to take what you've brought, uh, you created together, and making it into um, something that's fun and as a sort of tragic inevitability, uh, tragical comical inevitability about it. Mm. Well, as, as I say, having seen some Coen Brothers films now, that that might make more sense if I try it again. Okay. Well, having uh, having uh, assured Roger that, that he's he's not unusual. Next time it'll be better. Next time it must be better. <laughs> we will move on to the next thing. Criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. But I, I would be if I were a cr- criminal. I would be cowardly and superstitious. I'm cowardly and superstitious, and I'm not a criminal. Help! But they also seem to overlap a lot with the sort of thing PCs do. And I was wondering, is this just a coincidence? Is it because of the story background? How much do players want to be the people who are flouting unjust laws? Yeah, the Robin Hoods rather than saying, well, actually, you know, laws are quite a good thing for most people. We're just going to skate around the edges a bit. Well, uh, this goes to... Well, we've said this on, on this on this podcast before, and we'll probably say it again, that the, the, though the setting of the first uh, campaigns was medieval, the ethos was very much that of the Wild West, yeah. of the borders, of the borderlands where there is no real authority, where uh, the mountain is high and the emperor is far away. Uh, the king may have a sheriff, but he doesn't really have much power to exert the law. 
And, 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 was... and if there's a monster coming, you are the guy with the sword. Yeah. Um, you are the, the tough man who is striding out with his weapon in hand uh, to do justice, or at least to do something. And there is a there, there is a choice to be made between being Philip Marlowe um, and being um, just some uh, ju- just some guy a guy with a gun or a sword who's out for what he can get. The impression uh, I got is is that it was sort of implicit that characters would want to play heroes. But then once games started actually being played, uh, players find, found out that, well, actually, yeah, I, I can just um, steal everything, and that's quite fun too. Yeah, um, role-playing games aren't always a power fantasy, but their simplest form, and the, the thing that appeals most, is being someone who can do and will do things that you, in your real life, either don't get the chance to or don't have the ability to or just don't have the nerve to do. Mm. And some people want to be tougher and more powerful than they are in real life. And some people want to be better and and more heroic than they are in real life. And I'm afraid some people want to be absolute bastards and one wonders what's stopping them in real life. Mm. So... Um, yeah, there is a there is this 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 tension. Um, there's the tension which was there in the real Middle Ages between being the perfect and chivalrous knight, and and being uh, 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 an unemployed mercenary thug. Uh, being fair, a lot of the idea of chivalry does seem to have been invented to control the people who would otherwise be thugs to give them something to aspire to. Yeah, but some of them are uh, prowess was always a big thing. Yeah, in in knighthood, and be if you can, if you can't bash the other fellow's brains in with your sword or knock him off 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 his horse with his lance, you're no good to anybody now, are you? No matter what your uh, your your motivations may be, and uh, yeah, Th- thinking so, of the Western model, though, I think your your typical hero of a Western is not so much. Um, breaking or enforcing laws as existing in a space where law just isn't really relevant. You know, one day maybe it's going to get civilised here and we'll have a sheriff who can do something. Yeah. But mostly it isn't. It Mostly it's just up to me. Well, uh, Dogs in the Vineyard, the one time I played it, um, I didn't have fun. Uh, we found it was all about you are essentially a group of travelling uh, judges for the theocratic state out west mm-hmm. and you are the ones who are going out and deciding what the law was is and always has been and for some reason or other maybe it was just me and the other players this goes back to our our uh our deprecating the the drama system maybe it was just me and the particular other players but the way we ended up resolving uh, our different interpretations of the laws did uh, involve a lot of standing around, threatening each other with guns, and sometimes drawing our guns and shooting each other and saying, there, God has decided it, more or less. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> well, yeah. So trying to bring the law to the lawless places um, is... Um, is a thing that can happen. But on the other hand, 
Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. One of the great uh, westerns of the late 20th century. And it's, it's about the admiration you feel for a clever, competent, um, not quite chivalrous, but um, but certainly uh, not, not but certainly stylish um, set of criminals. Yeah, and, I, I think the feeling is that what they're doing is robbing a bank, and if you know, if 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 they found a bank manager lying in the street have, having been mugged or something, they would probably help him up and uh, pat, pat, pat him on the head and send send him on his way because they're not that sort of criminal. They, they they're bank robbers, not muggers. Yeah. Though they do have the the guy that they that uh, uh, Butch has the has the, has the knife fight with um, in in the gang, so they have they have a hitter around to use the uh, the term out of leverage. Leverage is another example of the clever, if not good, at least on the side of right criminal. There, well, that, there's that's a whole... very carefully set up. Um, at, at the time it was coming out, John Rogers was blogging about it. Uh, yeah, and he he talked at some length about the 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 effort they went to to make sure that the entire TV audience would would realise quickly and wholeheartedly that this 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 week's target was the bad guys, and I think you, yeah. you get a similar thing in Mission Impossible, the classic TV yeah. series that I keep referring to. Yeah, Mission Impossible is a is functionally it's doing the same things criminals do hmm. but it's doing it to people of the united states government dislikes for some reason but won't do anything um actually legal to stop yeah so, I, i've heard it described as uh, the fanfic the cia would would write about itself <laughs> that's true um, except except at the end of a, a really good cia operation the the victim isn't even sure uh, that he's been victimised. I think I think that is the that is the the best crimes are the crimes that nobody ever suspects actually happen, mm. and that's really hard to pull off. <laughs> um, so we admire for reasons I don't understand. We admire tricksters. Well, when I say we, I I gotta say that I have always had a problem. With uh, practical jokers, mm. um, I, I mean, I'd kick Jonathan Roth if, if he was around. Uh, people who who pull elaborate hoaxes on otherwise unsuspecting, uh, unsuspecting people and make their lives weird um, as a result, um, I, I find very, very hard to love. Um, but there is this admiration for that that sort of. Uh, Hoaxing, which uh, causes my tea. I, I am convinced that if it were, I would be one of the victims if that if uh, that sort of TV program was uh, ever reintroduced. Yeah, I'm looking at some of, some of the classic long cons. Uh, I I can admire the mechanics of it. Uh, I I think where where I find it easy there is because. The good ones, at least the ones I think of as the good ones, always rely on the victim getting greedy. Yeah, yeah. they they realise this is too good to be true, but oh boy, that's so much money. Yeah, well, uh, that you can't con an honest man is a saying, but I can't tell if it's not a lie that con artists tell each other. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you you can in in the example of you know. Somebody turns up at, at an old woman's door and says, um, we're, we're, we're changing your electricity supply. You, you have to give us this one-off cash payment or you're going to get cut off. 
that is a con, but it is simply obtaining money. Yeah, uh, but but on the other hand, if you sign up for the here, you're going to get this 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 and be- that benefit, and uh, and then she finds and, out she doesn't own a house anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, this is clearly it's clearly clever. It's uh, the 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 ones who ring me up seem to be extremely uh, extremely. Going for the low fruit, let's put it that uh, way. There's actually a reason for that. Um, there, there was a uh, Microsoft research paper a few years ago that looked into this. Um, basically, if you are going to get wise, they would much rather you get wise during the initial contact because that is a lower f- investment of resources on their part. Yeah. Um, so... It, it, it turns out to be more cost-effective to be utterly blatant in the initial come-on so that you filter out all the people who, who would start thinking, hang on a minute, why am I sending you all the money later? Yeah, I I, I, uh, I have friends who claim that they will lead the, lead the con artists on and play the bumbling old fool and and use up some of the, uh, some of their valuable time, but I have too little valuable time of my own uh, to waste on that. Yeah, good that, application for AI, though. Oh, actually, <laughs> actually, yes. <laughs> let me let me hand you to my to my friend, my agent. Yeah. Um, but uh, think, thinking about uh, Mission Impossible, they, there's definitely a tendency I've I've found uh, in the campaigns I design to have an organisation that the player characters are working for that is in some way on the edge of the law. You know, maybe they are uh, agents of a, spe- oh. of a special group that gets gets some uh, extra legal powers or you know, they're spies operating in a foreign country or something of that sort. So they, they can still think of themselves as positive members of society when they're not on the job. Yeah. But they get to do the stuff that normal people don't get to do. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that in the. Uh, I think Torchwood actually um, described itself as a, above and beyond the law, and doing the things that the law couldn't understand or allow. Uh, I I think, but 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 the right. law does allow snogging these days, even for same-sex couples. Oh dear, and it does allow going on and on about about your uh, relationships to the detriment of the plot as well. <laughs> anyway, but. Uh, but yeah, the, these borderline things are where I get difficulty. I I found myself having uh, I I am not unnoticed for my moral scruples. You 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 have been a GM for me. You will not- have noticed this. Um, I I want to. Uh, you did a nice, really nice job when you stranded us in Fairyland of putting out all the options as being uh, potentially bad ones, whether we shot our, our way out or diplomats our way out or fast-talked our way out, all of it was, um, uh, was... And it took me a long time to say, right, weapons free, let's shoot our way out. And I suppose that was entertaining, but some of my fellow players were a bit, um, yeah, were a bit peeved by that. I, I think it might have worked better if... if um you or somebody else had come up with a convincing alternative plan that seemed likely to work, which wasn't really, uh, wasn't really in the offing, to be fair. No, I, well, I, could, I did my best, but I couldn't find one. Uh, that's, that, that, 
that I, I, I find myself playing the too civilized man stuck in an uncivilized situation. And this gets a bit tedious sometimes. When I was playing in uh, Blades in the Dark... In, in I, which, by concept, you are a criminal. Yeah. I find myself playing the slightly intellectually superior um, ghost and magic expert who says, oh, well, if really, if you must, if I insist, yes, yes, I, I can do that, I suppose. It's, it's better, which, than, better than spending another week writing grant applications. Oh. It's better than another week down in the invocation pit. <laughs> I, I, I need some. I need some more demons entrails anyway. Yes, yes, I'm available this week. But yeah, I, I, I could not, I could not go with the with wholeheartedly with the ethos of uh, of the criminal gang. I didn't find it. Um, I didn't find it glamorous. And what was worse. What made it all worse was the fact that the narrative of the world describes the world as pretty much doomed. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, the sun has gone out. You're huddled in these cities against the, with electric barriers against the howling hordes of ghosts and demons outside. And, um, and to top it off, everybody in the city is corrupt, uh, violent or criminal. And that's the only options that are open to you um, in order to survive, which sort of blew my suspension of disbelief because criminals are parasites and they need some people to be doing real hard work in order to live off them. Mm. And, and that's what blows my mind about doing criminal games as, um, as a setting. You are parasites and you are... You don't just live off the uh, uh, the bad people. Um, that Schwarzenegger's line, yes, they killed him, but they're all bad. Hmm. That doesn't happen in, in any sort of real world. And, and I suppose the genre conventions are just showing too much for my taste. Yeah, well, that, that, that's what your leverage is explicitly going out to do. It's saying, yes, these really are bad people, so it's okay. Mission Impossible, similarly. Um, I think mo- most... The, yeah, the the uh, the recent Oceans films, eleven, twelve, thirteen, at least. I haven't seen them. Did to my mind really quite a bad job of saying, well, why is this guy a legitimate target? I mean, yes, all right, we don't like casinos much, or at least Roger doesn't. But why is this particular casino boss a bad person? And the only real reason is, well, he got my woman after she left me because I was so horrible to her. If it was. <laughs> If it was, he's a bad person because he's got all this money, it would be slightly more honest. I think there's also a tension the other way on, and I think I've run into it. If you're running a campaign where a moral stance is ex- of some sort is expected, um, there are players who don't like the fact that crime doesn't pay who want crime to pay, and if the GM has a preference for or a belief in, um, I'm not sure if I mean objective moral law or just the fact that most criminality is really stupid, um, well, then I mean, there may I, be difficulties. If, if you're a fan of any sort of you know, mystery story or crime show, then, then you have a very biased view onto crime. Most crime is very, very stupid and very, very boring. Which, of course, yeah. is why you don't tell stories about it. But 
it I, I think it's important not to forget that yeah in, in a world where crime happens that sort of stuff is out there as well yeah um but but our heroes who may be criminals don't get to do the stupid stuff hmm. they get uh, they get to sneer at the for, for, uh, the minor villains who do do the stupid stuff but sometimes the minor villains will do the stupid stuff to you and just because it's stupid doesn't mean that violence doesn't work at least in the initial stages mm. and this is a complex web of uh i mean uh roger we had we i i came up with a plan for the uh, limnal gerbs limnal game and i thought it might work and you thought uh, you being the gm thought it wouldn't and where you can get the uh, the, the 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 inevitable conflict there, when the the models of the moral world aren't the same and aren't aren't um, aren't working in sync. And I'm not sure there's ever really a solution to that problem. Mm. I tend to look at this from the other end, which is that most of the time, most of the players I know want to be playing good guys. Yes. Or, oh, or at least people who think that they are good guys. So if there is so that that can mean we have special legal exemptions, it can mean we are in a place where the laws are blatantly unjust. Um fr- friend of the show, Shimin Beg, is is playing in a Hell's Rebels campaign. It's a Pathfinder module in which you you are essentially the um accidental leaders of the resistance in a city where the government has has gone particularly evil uh, this is yeah. this, this is in a fantasy world where literally evil is a thing there are demons involved but you know you you, you are finding yourself i i was i just wanted to carry on with my life and now well nobody is nobody else is stepping up to lead the resistance and, yeah. and maybe i'd better do it and I, and I do like that idea but it, it to make it work as yeah these are very very obviously the bad guys i, I think it's perhaps a bit heavy-handed you know it, it, it's a sort of Mad Emperor Caligula sort of level of proclamation of this is very this very dodgy stuff going on. The uh, the thing is that if you have one concentrated source of uh, of evil, one bad guy in charge, then it is subject to a certain degree to the uh, to the law of uh, well, if you lance that boil, the problem will go away. Mm. But uh, but it's for there to be a campaign. First of all, there has to be some arguable doubt about whether the evil is is there. There, uh, uh, there are people out there, and one of them is called Alex Jones, who I, I hear is is now um, is now personally bankrupt. Though may may have found a way of wiggling out of the uh, of the debt he owes. And one of the and one of the things he did whilst he was being tried was to go onto the radio and describe the. The judge and the prosecutors as demons; they were acting demonically possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst his trial was going on, I, I would not advise you to do that. But um, this is not generally he... a positive legal argument. No, no, it, it it doesn't make you. It doesn't bring the favour of the court with it. But um, uh, but but we are talking about if they have a sense of humour, they may go, "Damn, he found out." Uh, yeah. Now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but 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 we are talking about fantasy settings where that might turn out to be true. But 
the 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 vast majority of the people out there are not going to go with this, partly because it disturbs their uh, their quiet and tranquil lives, and partly because if it does turn out to be true, they don't think they can do anything about it. So ambiguity about the moral um, right and wrong is sort of built in to that sort of session, especially when robbing people and running protection rackets is a really good way for liberation movements to make money. Mm. And uh, if it, it crosses over both ways. I mean, if, if you look at the history of uh, terrorist groups in uh, Ireland... Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, the, the, this is basically a criminal gang with some slogans. That's, it's set at least at least some of them at least at some of the times so i i have heard it said that the mafia start out as a liberation movement um but uh, uh but stop being that we we are the guys like us we will hang together in the face of the outsiders coming up coming in and uh, messing us about yeah yeah the the principles of of silence self-reliance and not trusting the government go on and on and on and can't be eradicated. Well, are damn difficult to, to eradicate. There, um, And, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing, the whole idea of le- legitimate authority is very, to, is very hard to, to make totally convincing in a universe where the gods don't bother to come along and say, yeah, that's, that's the guy we've chosen. That, that system of government over there, do, that, do it that way. That'll be fine. Yeah, I... This is a thing I do like to touch on in games, but I think I think it is a thing where I'd like to have some player buy-in. Um, I can think of a couple of players I know who would be quite uncomfortable at a campaign that started off, we are working for the good guys, and it gradually became apparent that what, what you are in fact doing is um, locking up political dissidents without trial, for example. Yeah. It could be a really interesting campaign, and you know, what, what is the point at which you make that decision to change, but... For some players, that would just not be a happy place to be. And fair enough, it would, it would be, uh, it would be a bait and switch operation. That too, yeah. And uh, and players like some things to be clear up front, but they also like there to be mysteries for them to discover. And yeah, the, the very... model, I, the model I'm more likely to use is it, you know, our agency versus their agency. But you meet their agency in the field, and you find out you have a whole lot more in common with them. Than, than you do yeah. than you or they do with your respective higher ups who who don't go in the field. Yeah, strangely, uh, that anyone, no one has ever had a government based on uh, the secret agents being in charge that anybody can tell. Well, I think they're not secret anymore at that point. Oh no, no, no! If you can actually be in charge and nobody knows who you are, I think you get it. Don't you? <laughs> Well, at least you won't get any complaints. Mm. Anyway, um, I, I'm not sure we've reached any conclusions there, but uh, except, except to say this, morality is difficult. Yeah, but you have to take it into account anyway. If you'd like to tell us about your moral difficulties in not too much technical detail then you can reach us by... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back next month when we hope the first crocuses and daffodils will be poking through the frozen ground and I'll be over this dratted uh, sinus problem. Next time. Next time.